It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gag Pressing, Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. I'm back again after being off ill. It's good to be back, may I say. But um, joining me, as always when I'm on here, is Chris Williams. Chris, how are you? You've done quite a bit of travelling this last few days. I wouldn't say quite a bit, Bryce. I've flown to Germany and back, but these days, you know, these days it makes me sound really old. But it's only an hour, so it's an hour hop. Glasgow to, um, well, it was Mulhouse in France, and then drove to Freiburg for the night, and then up to Stuttgart for... I uh, stuck out Bayern and then a little visit to Switzerland before I flew home on Sunday. So, yeah, it's not not lots of travelling, nowhere near as much as Manu. Yeah, uh, do you have any money left after being a day in Switzerland? No, no. Uh, so we went there. If you've never been to Switzerland, it's beautiful, but eat before you cross the border because um, four bratwursts and and some chips, which you pay about three euros each in um, in Germany for, was they were the eight pound fifty each. <laughs> so like, I don't I don't understand how people survive in Switzerland because it's saying something when the equivalent of a five pound note is a coin. So you know that, that's it. The, the lowest you could get out of the cash machine was fifty francs. <laughs> yeah, that's that's rough. I ate at FC Basel. That was about it when I was there. <laughs> I ate at Mulhouse Airport in the end. <laughs> Yeah, that's well, I, rough. I, I think we've com- covered a uh, complaining, um, well, c- complaining about the uh, economy and the cost, I suppose, over in Switzerland uh, now. But uh, yes, that other voice uh, joining Chris and I is Manu Vett, as you probably guessed. Manu, how's your weekend been? Yeah, surprisingly quiet. I mean, this has been, I took this weekend off. I didn't go to any games. Instead, I just assisted whatever um, the work that Chris was doing in Stuttgart. It was kind of nice. Watched the, the conference on television uh, on Sky. Um, very enjoyable experience, I have to say. Being at home in a warm on a warm couch rather than a cold stadium for one for one weekend is is actually was really nice. Uh, so you know, as as probably most listeners know, and I think I've done now ten cities in twelve days over the last week or so. So yeah, it was nice just being in Munich. Good. I'm glad that you enjoyed, but. It's not just the three of us on the podcast today, and no, it's not John either. We've actually got another rather special guest. Uh, we've got Matt Keel on with us. Uh, welcome onto the podcast, uh, Matt. Um, for anyone that doesn't quite know who you are or what you do, well, could you possibly explain for us? Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm Matt, and I work pretty close with uh, Hoffenheim, the Bundesliga club. We will... I think talk about like in the podcast. Yeah, my last working day was on Friday, the press press conference with uh, the coach of Hoffenheim. And yeah, I think I can tell you some news about it. Very exciting, eh? We're definitely going to have you on a few times this uh, this uh, coming season, I would imagine. Uh, but um, yeah, guys, let's um, let's kick it off. Um, I suppose. One of the main talks will be about coaches, but let's not just start with that. Let's start with a man that no doubt shall be talked about in January, no matter what his situation is, and that's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, He always seems to be linked with uh, every club, especially in England and everywhere else. But it seems like, Manu, there's, there's been a bit of a deal to keep him uh, dormant a little longer. The famous slip... Michael Sorg's famous slip uh, in the, on a television interview, right, Chris? 
Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang apparently extended his contract until 2021. His previous contract was until 2020. And um, he got a spike in his in his yearly salary. So I guess he can buy an extra Lamborghini every year. So that's good for him. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, Chris, you probably know a bit more about this than I do. But I, I think... You know, we we all kind of expected that there would be huge kind of uh, transfer speculations over January, and then instead this bomb kind of exploded out of nowhere. And I, I, from my feeling now is that Aubameyang is not going to go anywhere over January. No, and, and I'm wondering how much of it was a slip because across Europe, his future was being discussed. You know, in Spain, in the press, um, over here in England, in the press, apparently Everton were expected to make. A sixty million pound bid for him. That's yeah. I didn't know if that's before or after Diego Simeone was supposed to come in. But anyway, they've got Sam Allardyce, and now they won't have a striker. So I don't know how much of it is a slip because I don't think Pierre Emerick Aubameyang's transfer um, suspects that comes around every window that it seems to be help the club at all. So maybe it wasn't um, so much of a mistake. It's finally being put to bed now, and the player came out. But by all accounts, it was signed. Um, a, a few weeks ago, and uh, Mano, we chatted. In fact, Bryce, we chatted as well, didn't we? We all chatted in our WhatsApp group. It was about three, four weeks ago that this was um, going to happen. But um, you can never quite say things, and we we don't want to upset any Bundesliga clubs on here. And as we're going to chat about Hoffenheim, I already upset Julian Nagelsmann earlier this season, so I don't want to go around upsetting any other clubs. Oh, that's what we have Matze for. He can upset Julian Nagelsmann. It's not like he has ever has to deal with him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, Julian Nagelsmann. He's um, yeah. Everyone's discussing about his future. Uh, yeah, he's doing a good job at Hoffenheim, and he's one of the big reasons Hoffenheim is on yeah on the top. Not on the top, but I think on the fifth or sixth place of on the league table. And yeah, now the situation in Dortmund is uh, very difficult because the contract of the the actual coach is limited until the summer, and yeah, everyone talks about who's coming after him. <laughs> yeah, very interesting stuff. I mean, uh, I mean, it would be massive shoes to fill, and I suppose we will get onto that further. Um, let, let's just um, let's just stick with uh, Obama uh, for the meantime. Uh, Matt, um, how big uh, an achievement? Is this uh, for not just Dortmund to hold on to him, but but for the uh, for the Bundesliga to hold on to him as well? I mean, he's a rather large figure in, in the footballing world. Yeah, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang has um, has proved that he is one of the big strikers, not in Germany, but also like in in the European in the Champions League, for example, because he scored. In, in big games and yeah after Robert Lewandowski he's the second big striker in Germany I think and I think Dortmund can be can be lucky to extend his contract although he's like he's like a, a diva in Dortmund you can say because he his performances are sometimes very good he scores like three or four goals but then you don't see him in like <laughs> two games at all it is, it's a bit of a mute point right now in Dortmund. I feel that for a long time they sort of respected all his behavior, right? And then now I think this season really under Bosch, it, it escalated a little bit. And I feel like that they don't really, ex the fans are not as accepting anymore as they used to be. Yeah, I think I go with you in, in that point because Aubameyang um, was not like the first the first defender on the on the striking line, which is essential for for the Dortmund play. So, yeah, on the Bosch era, on on the first games when they were successful, Aubameyang was one of the most important players who scores. But the defense balance, if you can say it like that, has also to do with his uh, his performances, which were in that case not on top. And Chris, would you? Agree with uh, what Manu said that it, this is possibly a contract that would see Aubameyang stay uh, in Dortmund for the rest of his uh, playing career. Yeah, it's one of two things, isn't it? It's either he's not going anywhere, or there's something in there in that contract that that gives him a way out 
and we've seen that with players before signing contracts and then moving on the next window for uh, maybe slightly less of a fee or if a certain club comes in for them they're required to be allowed to make contact with that club so for this though because of his age and he may I mean if we, if we look at the some of the press that we saw earlier on this season so some of the German press um, particularly is that he's issued his agent to go and find him a club and then all of a sudden he's signing a contract so either he's happy in Dortmund or he can't find another club um, so he's he's going to stay there until someone from China comes in with stupid money in the summer and maybe that's written into his contract who knows um, but on the outside maybe now Peter Bosch has gone uh, Aubameyang feels a little bit happier that he is ready to commit to stay there um, I don't think it's any Surprised that his dip in form came with the change of manager. Um, he's also, you know, he wasn't turning up for training. He's a bit petulant. Diva's the right word, is the right word for him. I know plenty of people in Dortmund, and that's exactly how they would describe him as a diva. Um, and I think Manu's right. When he's scoring three, four goals um, a game, or three, four goals every other game, people are happy. But when you're missing, uh, guilt-edged chances and your team's getting beaten, you haven't won at home in, in you know, four, um, four or five games, then it becomes a bit of a problem. But I think now a Pedestoga in charge, it might have turned a little bit and it, it seems a happier place, although they still looked a bit iffy on the weekend. They, you know, they got that win, which is the most important thing. Uh, and maybe Aubameyang's a little happier. I think we'll see, not this uh, window, but we'll see in the summer if there's no talk of him going anywhere in the summer then I think the contract extension's him staying at Dortmund I, I think it was interesting Chris when he missed that chance against Hoffenheim we, we're going to get to talk about Hoffenheim in a moment but when he missed that chance to make it 3-1 there was a big smile on his face when he when he realised that he messed up um, you saw it in the replays quite well and I think that already shows that there's a bit of a mood change I think uh, Aubameyang is quite happy with Peter Stöger coming in uh, as the coach right now, you know, Peter Stöger, of course, dealt with another diva in Anthony Modeste at Köln. So maybe he's quite <laughs> <Yeah>. used <laughs> with that sort of striker, right? So I, I have a sense that Aubameyang could be the big winner of this coaching change. And I think we know how good a man manager Peter Stöger is. I mean, you only have to look at what he said to Julian Nagelsmann before the start of the game. He's reported to have said to him, make sure you don't sit on the wrong bench. So... That's you know that's the sort of man he is. That's the sort of interaction he has with fellow coaches as well as players. So, if Aubameyang needs a little bit of stroking to get him going, I think Peter Stoger's the right man. And Manu, talking about transfers, it looks like uh, Dortmund have brought in a uh, young Argentine forward. Who who exactly is this, and what do we know about him? Well, we know about Maximiliano Romero. We know quite a bit about him because of Nico, right? Our our man in Argentina, in Buenos Aires. Um, we thought originally this would go to Stuttgart, then it was PSV, and now it appears that Dortmund have done a last-minute uh, offer for him. Uh, um, it's really, it's really quite simple. Um, Felix Safield, the club where he is, want to sell him, and basically the highest bidder is gonna get him. Um, Stuttgart bid 10 million, PSV now seem to have won the race for 12, and I, I guess Dortmund went in and bid a little bit more, and this is 12 million dollars. So um, I'm not quite sure what the exchange rate is. So it's a, it's quite a it's a bit less, so around 10 million euros, I guess. And I guess Dortmund bid a little bit more than PSV did. And uh, Bill is saying that the deal is done. Um, I hear from quite a few other sources when in Dortmund that it looks likely to be done. But it it seems to happen that usually around the time we're almost done with our podcast, right? That we get a get a push notification from somewhere or someone saying that it's done. Uh, we'll so find maybe out some, in an hour. We'll find out. Yeah, exactly. We'll find out probably towards the end of the podcast, but it looks promising. And he's, I mean, we have a great article on him on fußballstadt.com and he looks like a really promising player and he's 18. Although they signed Alexander Isaac for, he's an, another 18 year old. I'm not sure, you know, do they really need another young striker? But I guess can never have enough depth up front. Well, before we get to uh, Matt, who I know is um, very eager to talk about uh, Julian Nagelsmann uh, with us. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about uh, Peter Stoger. Um, Chris, what's been the main difference since uh, Stoger's come in? I mean, we've seen two wins uh, on the bounce from him as soon as he's come in. There's always going to be that new manager bounce uh, at clubs. Uh, and I mean, uh, they seem to be experiencing that. Uh, but but what else does he uh, does he bring to a side? Um, um... If I was going to be really flippant and pedantic, I'd say he's playing players in the right position. 
um, and he's trusting players to do a job. I mean, the turnaround of um, Julian Weigel has been crucial to Dortmund's mm. turnaround. Um, also, the back line looks a lot better, so maybe he's come in. He's not had to change the players. He's just had to change the way they've played. So maybe they've just gone back to the way that they know they can play before. You know, Peter Bosch tried to change a lot. Um, he changed the training routines. Um, he, tra- he changed the, the way Dortmund play, as in he tried to change their blueprint. And he said in his opening press conference it might take a while. Um, and it looked okay early on, um, but they didn't really have a, a substantial challenge. And when they started to get a decent challenge, then obviously the results faded rapidly, especially in the Champions League. So I think Peter Stoker's come in and just gone back to basic. That's a real football cliche, I'm afraid, Bryce. But on this, I think that's what he's done. He's come in um, and he's, he's changed the way. He's made Julian Weigel that, that crucial defensive midfielder. And he has changed the, slight, the shape slightly, but we saw him do that at Cologne last season. He didn't play 4-3-3 constantly, um, as in Bosch did. So I think you mentioned quite a while ago, had Bosch been found out, that's probably a little harsh thing to say, but maybe the system had been found out. Peter Stoker's more of a German manager. and Like the way Julian Nagelsmann is, you never know what formation is going to play from week to week or, or who's going to play in what position. So that gives you the element of surprise. I think that's what Peter Stoger's brought back to Dortmund. I think the shackles are off too, Chris. With Julian Weigel, um, he basically told him to play the way he feels comfortable to play. right? And with Bosch, Bosch expected him to, to play a certain line um, further up. He didn't allow him to have quite a roaming kind of nature in midfield. And I think um, Weigel felt limited by that quite a bit and when you when you basically shut down your engine um then you have a huge problem and i think it worked quite well until weigel came back and was back to fitness right and then all of a sudden it kind of fell apart on them because he tried to reintegrate weigel and then weigel didn't feel comfortable on that system and now i think peter stuger said just basically said to weigel play your game as you always have boom drop done and oh, weigel was yeah. has been crucial in the last two games and Mats, if we just go to you, I mean, obviously you're you're based over in Germany. I mean, firstly, how is uh, Peter Stoger uh, perceived uh, over in uh, in Germany? But also, uh, was there much of a shock when he was appointed? Obviously, being at Cologne, he had done a fantastic job, but then this season things didn't quite go right for him, uh, and he failed to get a win there. I, I mean, there's many people that speaking to Manu, Chris, and I that seem to. Uh, Struggle to understand that how a manager that was winless managed to get one of the biggest jobs then in the league. Yeah, I think one of the reasons was that uh, Aki Watzke, the, the boss of Dortmund, uh, spoke to Peter Stöger long before he started his job in, in Dortmund right now. They spoke, I think, in the summer break before Peter Bosch came in for Dortmund to coach. So he has a a feeling about the ideas of Peter Stöger even uh, before this situation because Peter Stöger was coaching Cologne, Cologne for four years very successfully and I think that was the reason to hire him for for the job in Dortmund. Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
Yeah, and I think that's something that Watzke said too in the press conference, right? Um, Matze, that he, one of the big things that he pointed out is that we didn't hire Stöger for what he's done over the last four months, but what he's done over the last four years. Exactly, exactly. Because Peter Stöger is also a coach who can understand players. And Dortmund was also in a situation where there was a huge problem in psychological reasons because the team has um, forgot to win, if you can say it like that. They were like two, almost two months without a win. And then, of course, your mind starts to think. And yeah, Peter Stöger is a guy who who's very calm in his personality and he know how to moderate like such a situation. He's very honest too. This is one thing that I find really refreshing about him. When you see the interviews afterwards and they ask him, I was like, well, why did you take this job? Didn't you have any doubts? And he's like, well, I'm a coach. And this is an opportunity that comes along maybe once in a lifetime. And it's all about taking those opportunities, right? I, I think that that's, it's just so disarming. And I think at the same time, he always says, like, look, I was at a really, in, in German, we like to use the word geil, right? The, I was at a really amazing club uh, for four years with Köln. But, you know, this is an opportunity I couldn't pass up. Exactly. And also, you know, the situation for Dortmund was difficult because they, usually they don't change coaches during the seasons. I think the last time was 2007 or 2005 with uh, Bert van Marwijk, so long, long ago. And now they need someone for right now. And, of course, coaches, to find a coach during the season is very difficult. And Peter Stöger was, from the first minute of the conversations, as Aki Watzke said, like, he was in for it. And I think for both sides, for Borussia Dortmund in that situation on, and for Peter Stöger in his situation, it was a win-win for both. Yeah, I would go along with that. And Chris, uh, looking ahead, uh, Stöger will be uh, taking his Dortmund side all the way over to uh, Munich uh, midweek, uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Bayern Munich will face uh, Borussia Dortmund in the DFB Pokal. Um, how do you see that game going? I mean, Bayern did win at the weekend, but narrowly against uh, Stuttgart, which uh, actually takes them to 11 points clear the top of the league. But do you think that it's going to be a little bit different um, compared to when the teams uh, faced each other previously uh, in the league? Yeah, I think it'll be a completely different game. Dortmund will have the um, tail between, you know, the wind beneath their sails, and they'll be they'll be pushing on and. I was at Stuttgart on Saturday and Bayern didn't look that solid, to be honest. They do what they did very well, which was soak up a load of pressure and then score uh, and then, you know, a wonderful penalty save at the end. And it was a really good goal by Thomas Muller and we'll get to that in a bit. But, um, Stuttgart had plenty of chances to score. And I feel if the, um, if the likes of Pulisic, Kagawa, especially how he's playing at the minute, Yarmolenko, Abamyang, Guerrero as well, and, if Julian Weigel, if that was Dortmund playing Bayern on Saturday at the um, Westfalen Stadion, I think it could have been two or three one to Dortmund. That's how fragile I think Bayern were looking. Um, I don't think the free kick was a free kick where they got the goal from, and and you know, and then they rode their luck at the end with the with the penalty save. So I think they're beatable at the moment, but you know, it is it's the the game in Germany. It's a big game. It's a classica. So. Maybe form goes out the window a little. They'll be wanting a little bit of revenge from last season, from the semi-final where you know, Dortmund were behind and then they came back fantastically. And then obviously they went on to win the trophy and they're the champions. So Bayern will be looking to put them out. It's got all the ingredients of a good game this has. Um, but I definitely think Bayern are beatable at the moment if they come across the right side. I think Bayern are really tired, Chris. I was at the Köln game, of course, on Wednesday. Um, big shout out by the way to Sport 1 for, for having me. Um, I was at the VIP box at the Sport 1 VIP box. So I want to give a big shout out to, to Colin who, who arranged it all. Um, if you're listening, thanks again. But yeah, I thought that they were, um, very beatable, uh, in that game too, uh, despite their 80 whatever percentage, uh, ball possession that they had. But they had, I think they only recorded one or two shots on goal. Um, overall, and one of them was, of course, in. And Köln actually had a chance towards the end of the match to to make it 1-1. And I have a feeling that Bayern are very tired right now. It's it's just 
a sense that the side is, um, you know, they've gone through this emotional high with the coaching change. And right now they're kind of trying to drag themselves into the into the winter break a little bit, right? Which is understandable because it was a pretty emotional time. And I mean, you can you can say it's a strength to win all your games 1-0 because it was three games in a row now that they won 1-0. But on the other hand, uh, the, the sides that they beat 1-0 were Köln, Frankfurt and um, Stuttgart, right? So these are not the biggest sides in Germany. And uh, it kind of shows you that there is a little bit, something is a little bit going on. But on the other hand, this is a game where everyone knows, everyone on the pitch knows that after those 90 minutes are done, you have four weeks of Christmas holidays. Uh, well, I guess maybe one week, but you know, you know, you have a break and um I think that will will change everything when it comes to the complexion of that game. And Mats, what, what about you? Do you agree with the boys that um, this might be an opportunity for Borussia Dortmund to uh, get one over on their rivals? Hmm, if you ask me like that, I think Dortmund, uh, although they have now two wins in a row with the new coach Peter Stöger, they are also not like on, on top of their level as they were last season. So if you watch the game against Hoffenheim, if you watch the game against Mainz, you also see that Dortmund is beatable as well. So I think both both clubs are not on their top re- level right now when they go on the match on, on Wednesday. But yeah, I agree with the guys that Bayern Munich's last uh, appearances in the league were not like like they were when they when they were with your Pinkers in the first games. So it could be very close because also Bayern Munich is not sure how the new coach will will show up with Dortmund. But yeah, I'm very curious about the game and I think it's going to be tight. Yeah, it'd be fascinating either way, I think. And- yeah, definitely advise anybody to uh, tune in and check that one out. But um, let, let's talk about the coaches. We're, we're, we've kind of touched them on them a little bit. Uh, we've talked on uh, Stoger, haven't we? But uh, I feel that obviously with his uh, appointment, um, many were saying that it would be just until the end of the season. Uh, and then some were pointing in the direction of Julian Nagelsmann um, as if he was going to come in then. Uh, Manu, it seems like Stoker's now being suggested as being a long-term replacement. Is that right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. <laughs> I don't think that's suggested at all. Um, no. Um, <laughs> Dortmund and their press conference, we have to remember it's a, a stock holding company, right? So whatever they decide to do, they have to give out an ad hoc statement um, to, to basically warn everyone was trading Dortmund stock. So that makes it already quite different when it comes to any kind of rumors. Uh, um, so in the press conference, Aki Watzke uh, said, well, we don't have a new coach in the summer yet. Peter Stöger's contract is until the summer. And uh, then we'll see. And then he's asked, well, what about Stöger? Does he have a chance to um, stay on after the summer and he said we have all the options open but I think it's such an open secret that Borussia Dortmund won Julian Nagelsmann right and I think the, the tricky part really is that they can't say it um, because of the way Dortmund are structured as a company they they can't they can't engage in rumors like you know our friend Oli Hoeneß likes to do right it, it's just not possible the same way um, but I think and I mean, we have Matze on for this, but I think everyone in Germany kind of knows that they really want Julian Nagelsmann as the coach in the summer. Um, I think the only danger is now, and this is this is something maybe that we should discuss ahead of time, what happens now, boys, if Stöger takes the side, he wins on Wednesday, he wins, let's say, 15 out of the 17 games towards the end of the season, uh, maybe the Europa League as well. It's going to be pretty tough to make any kind of changes. Um, so that's actually something that I've been really wondering about. And I personally feel that Peter Stöger could be the perfect fit for this Dortmund team. I'm kind of curious to, to hear your opinion on this, Chris, because you're maybe a little closer to Dortmund than I am at times. But I don't know when I get the sense, his interviews, his style, uh, what happens if he's successful? What happens if he wins a ton of games? Yeah, he's certainly the, the character that... Um... The, the guys in the stands have been missing since Klopp left. So we all know what 
the the character that Thomas Tuchel was, excellent coach, but quite reserved, um, very quietly spoken, uh, a very much a, a football academic, if we can call him that. And I think people in Dortmund want not Jurgen Klopp, but they want a Jurgen Klopp style. And I think um, Peter Stoger has that. He's got that. Um, we call it over here in the UK the the common touch, which sounds terrible because it actually means a lot nicer than it is. So he's got the ability to speak to. You know, the, the bosses, the very high bosses, so he can speak to Vatsky, he can speak to Zork on a very professional level, but then he can go and converse with the guy in the street about football over a pint. And that's yeah. the type of, of coach that they would like in Dortmund. And I think that's what Peter Stoger has. He has that ability. And you're quite right, man. If he goes and wins, you know, 15 of the remaining 17 games, um, especially on the uh, next coming couple of days, so they beat Bayern. And then they go on and do remarkably well in the Europa League. Um, and if, if they were to win that, obviously that's automatic qualification for the Champions League. And they do quite well in the league themselves in the Bundesliga. Then they would have a massive um, decision to make. And I think everybody wants a piece of Julian Nagelsmann because of how, what a revolutionary coach he is. And he's so young, so he's only 30, but the methods he uses are... Are out there on you know on his own I think and he's regarded throughout the whole of Europe for being someone who's such a forward thinker and I would probably put him on a pedestal the way he looks at football and the way he looks at tactics and the way he looks at player management and how to get the best out of his players I would put him on the same sort of trajectory as Pep Guardiola and the way he interacts with his players and the passion he has and what he expects tactically out of them not saying he's as good as Pep Guardiola now I'm saying that he that's where he could get to with his vision um, and obviously a club like Dortmund and a club like Bayern are going to want a piece of that because, you know, he's a young German coach and potentially, you know, he's got, well, he can have another 40 years in the game. This is incredible. He could have another 40 years of high level management. Now, who in their right mind wouldn't want that? I'm sure Borussia Dortmund wouldn't assure Bayern Munich would like a piece of that in the future because that's a lot of, of coaching and management time. So um, I can see why they would want him for that. I don't know, Peter Stoger, if he can get the results, he's certainly the character that um, can galvanise everybody in Dortmund, similar to the way that Jurgen Klopp did. Yeah, I guess the next question is, right, uh, can Dortmund get Julian Nagelsmann? That's, I, I, I think we all know they do, want to, but can they actually do it? I think that's, that's a really big question. I think it is a big well, question, and, you know, I thought Matz is the perfect person to to answer that yeah. his, his closeness to Hoffenheim and you know he'll have the the vibe of the entire city and the club on that. Well, the floor is yours, Matz. <laughs> yeah, I think the situation is uh, very difficult, as you guys said before, because when Peter Stöger got a ton of ton of wins, then the Dortmund bosses have a huge uh, decision to make, but. As you said, you got the name Julian Nagelsmann is uh, is is present in Dortmund, but um, Julian Nagelsmann is not is not in the position to choose because he has a contract until 2021 in Hoffenheim, and Hoffenheim knows what he has on Julian Nagelsmann, and uh, on the other side, Julian Nagelsmann knows what he has on Hoffenheim. The contract runs until 2021 and I think he can escape from the contract earliest in 2019. So Hoffenheim has the big challenge now to find a coach who can coach Hoffenheim after uh, Julian Nagelsmann and yeah that that will be a big question in the next month, in the next, uh, maybe fall to the next season. And, uh, I mean, uh, Mats, I mean, how, how difficult would it be for Hoffenheim to replace somebody like Julian Nagelsmann when he goes? I mean, is, is there even anyone that comes to your mind that you think could possibly fill those boots? I think it's very difficult because Julian Nagelsmann came to the club at 2010. He coaches the U17. He coaches the U U19 um, team of Hoffenheim. He was 
the co-coach on the first team when they survived the relegation in 2012 and 13 in Dortmund. And yeah, he knows how to develop uh, develop the team when he um, when he was the coach for the for the first team in 2016. The the club in the first league was uh, was about to go down into the second league. I think nobody in this situation uh, thought of that Hoffenheim will survive the season in the first league. Hugh Stevens, the the Dutch coach, was before Julian Nagelsmann, and from the sportive perspective, the team was down. And then a 20, 28 young old coach was coming uh, to Hoffenheim, and they started to play football. You know, he reaches the young guys. He he developed the new tactical system, and the the team was not only like winning games, but you can see from the tactical perspective that they that they was growing something. And the reason for that was actually Julian Nagelsmann. And although he's a, he's a still a young guy, I think he's 30 years old. He's not a young coach in this way because he started coaching when his player career was finished. It, He's coaching now for nine years, although he's 30. He's, uh, he has a lot of experience in coaching. And yeah, I think he knows what he has on Hoffenheim because Hoffenheim has given him the, the opportunity to coach on top level. And yeah, and also Hoffenheim knows what Julian Nagelsmann means to the, to the club. And yeah, he knows how to how to deal with the situation of Hoffenheim that they don't have the highest budget in Bundesliga. He knows how to deal with the patron Dietmar Hopp, who's who's present all around Hoffenheim because he's he makes the he made the club growing up. He he gave the money for it and he installed the managers and all the all the staff in Hoffenheim. And you have to deal with him. Julian Nagelsmann know how to do. He he know the players because he started to coach in U17, U19. So a lot of players who are playing in Hoffenheim, he knows from the beginning on. And uh, yeah, the the person or the coach who has to coach after Julian Nagelsmann, the team has a huge huge challenge to do. And yeah, Hansi Flick, the sports board in uh, Hoffenheim, has now the the big exercise to find someone who's coming after Julian Nagelsmann. But if you if you ask me honestly, who I who comes to my mind who can come after Julian Nagelsmann, to be honest, I have no idea. <laughs> it's some pretty big shoes to fill. I mean, you you say it quite well. It's because the way everything is set up right now, Julian Nagelsmann is the strong man at that club, right? He has such a strong position at Hoffenheim and at the same time we chatted a little bit um, before this podcast Matze and you said he's very loyal that is that I think that will be something that will come it will be a huge play a huge uh, amount of, um, into this transfer next potential transfer next summer because I think if Hop says no in the summer of 2018 I think Nagelsmann will accept that right I, I go with that yeah because Julian Nagelsmann as I said knows what he has in Hoffenheim and of course, his ambitions are higher than Hoffenheim's can actually be, because he knows Hoffenheim can play like maximum for Europa League or Champions League qualification. And Julian Nagelsmann is a is a coach who who always wants the maximum. You can you can see it in his eyes. You can you can see how he reacts and after defeats, he he wants to do the next step. But on the other hand, he knows that Hoffenheim has given him the opportunity to coach on top level. And he has signed the contract uh, for 2021. And I think if it comes to the situation that Hoffenheim has no one following Julian Nagelsmann or no perfect uh, solution after coming Julian Nagelsmann, I think Julian Nagelsmann is not the coach who will who will try to get out uh, in a in a dirty way as like. Players do sometimes to get out out of contracts. I think Julian Nagelsmann is not the guy who, for for those uh, reactions. I think if the club says Julian, you have to you have to stay at least until 2019. I think he has to accept that and he will accept that and will coach on in Hoffenheim. 
I Chris, think, it's pretty. I, I think what yeah. he has is he's got this unenviable position of being thirty. So if he gets told no, you've got to wait. Even if he gets told no, you've got to wait twenty years before you can go to Bayern or Dortmund. That would still make him fifty, which is an average age for a manager. So he's got all this time, and and you are not a coach as good as Julian Nagelsmann that just falls away overnight. So it's not like next season we're going to be like, oh, what happened to him? Because, you know, he's really good for a couple of seasons and then all of a sudden his tactics and his tactical knowledge and the way he implements a game has just fallen right off. I don't think that's going to happen. So he, if he gets told, oh, yeah, you've got to wait two, or even if he's told, no, you'll see out your contract, I'm sure he'll be quite okay about that because that would make him 33 and he'd be like, well, I'll just go to Bayern or I'll just go to Dortmund when I'm 33 or 34. And, at the moment, the world is his oyster because if he went to Dortmund and he did very well at Dortmund and he stayed there for four or five years, maybe even six, let's say, and then he's 40 after he's been told he's got to stay at Hoffenheim for a bit, then he's 40 years old and he could go on to an even bigger job in, I don't know, maybe one of the massive Spanish giants or a, a team like that. So I think he will be, if someone says you've got to wait two years, I think he'll be quite cool with that because he's got... He's got youth on his side, which a lot of managers and head coaches don't have. Yeah, I would go along with that, Chris. I think that 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 is the thing. I think I think too that Dortmund are actually in a okay position because if that happens, then they have Peter Stöger, and that's not a bad second option at all. So I think that right now all sides are sort of eyeing each other and see like, okay, well, what's going to happen next? Uh, you know, everyone is kind of like in a good position right now. So it'd be an interesting one to follow. I could see this going down in 2019 instead, instead of next summer. Uh, I, I'm kind of with Matze. I have, I have, I don't know. It's just from what I see with the, with the no exit clause next summer, I find, I find it difficult to imagine a dog and get the man right away. Yeah, but it also stays stays a topic for for mm. as long as Julian Nagelsmann don't uh, clarify his commitment to Hoffenheim, because mm. he had the opportunity to say, "I will stay until minimum 2019," but he always uh, rescues himself, like in 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 sentence like, "Oh, it's it's cool to hear that." there are big clubs interested in me it's not a bad thing that they are interested in me instead of saying yeah i will i will stay in offenheim for at least one one season that actually says that okay there's something uh, he don't want to talk about in my that's that's my personal feeling about it mm. well i'm sure there's talks i mean Watzke's agent is the same agent and julian nagelsmann's agent right i'm pretty sure there's an open line of communication at all times yeah of course the as you said, the 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 agent is is the same, and they were for sure there were talks before, be, also before Peter Stöger was was introduced in Dortmund. There were there was the try to for Julian Nagelsmann, but in this situation, because he is a loyal guy, he said, "I will not leave the club in the winter." And yeah, yeah. Uh, Mats, um, may I just ask that you know if if he's being a bit blasé about you know, his future, uh, I mean, that that can come down to many different reasons. But if things go well for him uh, the rest of the season, which th- there's no reason why they shouldn't. Uh, they're doing very well at the moment. So it's a very close um, top seven there. Uh, where, where do you think he would prefer to go if uh, likes of Bayern and Dortmund both come and knocking in the summer? Has he got any particular tie to either side that would draw him to there? I think Julian Nagelsmann also sees the situation in Hoffenheim, which will maybe change in the summer because you have like players like Serge Gnabry who will go to Bayern Munich for sure. You have Mark Uth, who is uh, interested in Gladbach, uh, uh, so the clubs Gladbach, Schalke, and also Dortmund are interested in him. You have young players like Demir Bay or Amiri, Amiri, who are also on the list of like top teams. So you don't actually know what's going, what your sportive material, if you should say it like that, is in Hoffenheim like next next season. And when you ask me, one of which one of the big clubs are like preferable for him? Julian Nagelsmann is born uh, born near Munich, so 
he's grown up with the culture. He already said uh, to us journalists in the press conference and for everybody to notice that he's uh, started to uh, to build up his new uh, apartment in in the Bavarian area. So um, his his private life is taking place also in Munich. So that will be a, a reason maybe for uh, for choosing the club also as as we all know by yeah. munich the coaching by munich is one of the biggest jobs you can have as a coach so he is still 30 so he has all the time to do that in the future but yeah dortmund is in a in a difficult situation because they they fired the successful coach thomas tuchel and now we have the situation that peter stöger has had a had a good start and if he is successful uh, in the in the next games in the after the winter then Dortmund is again in the situation to to send away a successful coach you know and mm. yeah that is the one I struggle with the most Matze that's that's the point I'm struggling with the most I just can't see that happening yeah so I'm curious about Peter Stöger's performance in Dortmund as as it goes on, but yeah, Julian Nagelsmann has all the time, as as Chris already said, has all the time to to, to coach the big clubs in Germany later on. But yeah, <laughs> let's see. Well, well, as you mentioned, uh, Matt, uh, there are a, a few uncertainties hanging over some of the half and nine players, and I feel that that brings us on to Sandro Wagner, who is being uh, constantly linked with a move to Bayern Munich. Um, what is the situation there? Do, do we see that um, actually materializing in January? Uh, and what kind of uh, move is it for the player? Do, do you think it's a good move or or possibly a risky one with the World Cup coming up? That's exactly the point I was thinking of too. The World Cup is coming up and a player like Sandro Wagner who is not safe in the squad of Germany needs the practice needs the needs the games to to show up his quality for Joachim Löw and <laughs> of course in Munich you have the big Lewandowski who is uh, doing like 90% of every game and he, he wants to maybe play like 80 90 minutes to score as much as he can and yeah Sandro Wagner if it goes normal, he is like the backup. You know, maybe he gets 10 minutes, 20 minutes when Lewandowski is tired. But Lewandowski is the big striker who is, without discussion, the number one in Munich. And play, a player like Sandro Wagner, in my opinion, needs to needs to show his quality on the pitch. And that is not sure in in case he is transferred to to Munich, which is like, as you can see, safe. Because um, yeah, I I asked Julian Nagelsmann on Friday what is with Sandro Wagner and if he comes to the to the squad again against the against Dortmund and he said like yeah I don't know he he's trained but uh, all other players also have the opportunity and of course Munich didn't want the injured player to come over so the transfer is uh, already done but yeah as I said it's a tricky situation for. For Sandro Wagner, if he want to go to the World Cup, yeah. Well, from what I stand, Sandro Wagner is a similar situation to Mats Hummels, Bryce, that he really wants to go home. He's another Munich boy, boy born and bred. Um, coming from a Munich guy m myself, it's very hard to let go of the city when you're born and bred here. That we're we're, we're very attached to this place, and uh, I, I live abroad, as you know. You you do have you know people from here have a certain attachment to this place. And uh, that's you know why people like Sandro Wagner like to come back and take that risk because it is a very risky move for him um, to go back. I think the two clubs are actually risking the least amount because Hoffenheim, I think, can replace him, and Bayern are only paying 12 million euros for him. That's very little for a proven striker. I mean, um, given that Liverpool, for example, a few years ago paid 41 million euros for Andy Carroll. You know, has a very has when you when you compare it has a smaller pedigree. Um, you know, Sagan de Wagner is by and large a starting player for the German national team. Andy Carroll, I don't think would ever be that kind of caliber of player. So they're getting a striker on a pretty decent level for almost next to nothing. 
So Bayern are winning out of this. I think that with the strikers that Hoffenheim have right now, they can replace Sandro Wagner. And they, I mean, they're getting just enough money to do um, bring someone in. So I think uh, the, the biggest risk is for Sandro Wagner. But on the other hand, when you look at the last time Bayern won the treble, this is something I wrote in the Fußballstadt article, is Jupp Heynckes rotated Mario Mandzukic and Mario Gomez quite frequently. Of course, Mandzukic was the number one guy. But Mario Gomez had a decent amount of playing time because he wanted to have that second option, right? And also playing, having Sandro Wagner means you can play 3-5-2, which is becoming more and more prevalent. So I think there is going to be a decent amount of playing time. The one risk I can see, what happens if Bayern get eliminated on Wednesday and then go out in the first round of the Champions League? Then there's essentially just 17 games left, right? And... uh I'm pretty sure Lewandowski is going to play every single one of them for 90 minutes. And then Sandro Wagner will be sitting on the bench. And I think that is a big risk for him in his national team career. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> if that happens, Lewandowski is, is, is fixed for sure. But yeah, Sandro Wagner, he's, I think he's 30 years old. Yeah. So he's not on the, on the, on the limited years on his career. He has still something to go. So his, um, yeah, his goal has to be playing 70, 90 minutes. And yeah, let's see what your Heynckes do with two strikers. But uh, for sure, I think there's no discussion about it. The Lewandowski is number one and Sandro Wagner has to find his place in the squad or in the in the, in the first team. I'm pretty sure Matze the Bayern are quite happy to have him. I think there's no doubt about that. I mean, they needed someone like him, right, as a backup. But I, th- I think the big risk really is with Wagner. For sure, yeah. If you see the big game, uh, big teams in in Spain like Madrid or or Barca or or even in in England, every striker has has one striker behind. Like if he's injured, like we had like Benzema and uh, Morata before he was transferred to Chelsea, but Bayern Munich has only Lewandowski and. Of course, Jopank has always said Thomas Müller can can play his position as well, but I think the last games when Lewandowski was out against Madrid in the first game, it showed that when there's no Lewandowski available, then Bayern Munich has a has a problem in the first row. I just want to bring uh, Chris into this. Um, Manu is said that you know if, if this deal was to happen uh, obviously we all highly rate uh, Sandro Wagner on the podcast but uh, do you see them being able to win the Champions League Manu has suggested that that would be a possibility uh, when they have um, not just Lewandowski but him up front I don't know at the moment <clears throat> excuse me I'm not I'm not sure I'm not feeling the way Bayern are playing at the moment that they could go and win the Champions League um, Obviously, they're getting 1-0 wins left, right and centre at the moment. I mean, is that going to be categorised how they're going to play later on in the season? Not so sure. They've not been overwhelming in the Champions League. Um, yeah, they had a really good result against PSG, but I think that was based on more of the result in Paris than anything else. And I don't really know if they've got what it takes to go all the way. Maybe they can if they can win on um, Wednesday... They will probably be favourites to win the Pokal, and you know they've got an unassailable lead in the Bundesliga, I think, at the moment. But I don't quite think Bayern are ready to win the Champions League at the moment. Um, although I think it would be a great achievement if they did, I just don't feel that they are ready. But saying that, you know, Bryce, it's the draw that makes it. If you can be, you know, one of the least favoured sides in the competition and and get a good draw and go all the way to the final. And if you can get to the final, it is just a one-off 90-minute game. Anybody can win it. Um, So I'm not sure if they can win. I don't know if if Sandra Wagner would take the risk, but then he's got to look on the other side. Is he going to get a guaranteed start if he is to go to Russia? I'd probably argue not that Timo Werner is head and shoulders, you know, the best German striker in, in the game at the moment. So... And he is 30, and he managed said he wants to go home. It might be the right move for him personally, and to see, you know, not his days out as going out to pasture at Bayern, but he's 30 years old. It'd probably be his last move you'd expect to get three or four seasons of play out there. And um, 
you know, he is a very good player. We saw last season, early on in last season, what a good player he was. He went off the boil a little bit, but then he's going to have a lot more quality behind him to feed him in. And that's no disrespect to Hoffenheim, but, you know, Bayern have a lot more um, quality in depth. And if they've got someone like Sandro Wagner, you can see what he can do. For instance, look at the goal Thomas Muller scored on Saturday. Um, one chance, one goal. That's the sort of thing that Sandro Wagner could do. He could come off the bench um, and do that. Is, is he going to be happy doing that? And Matt, to go back to you, uh, you mentioned earlier that Mark Booth is uh, another player that's uh, thinking about his future at Hoffenheim. Uh, I, I would imagine um, if Wagner was to leave, surely Hoffenheim would say, I'm sorry, buddy, but you're not going anywhere. If you talk about the winter transfer period, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. Because when Wagner goes there, you need someone for the for the first line. You have Mark Uth, you have Serge Gnabry. I think Adam Scholoy is another striker, but he's not like on top level as uh, Mark Uth and Gnabry are. But the contract from Mark Uth is running out in summer. So Hoffenheim has to, when they want to make money off Mark Uth, they have to uh, sell him now. But I think that's not going to happen. I talked with Mark Uth, I think, on last Sunday. Uh, what is about his uh, his interest in moving to Schalke? And he just said, there's nothing to say about it. And when something is clear, I will uh, talk to you again. So I think there there is something... Uh, going on with Mark Uth and Schalke and also Gladbach and Dortmund are interested in him but uh, it's not fixed yet and Mark Uth is a player who knows uh, to take the right step on his career he's uh, a Cologne guy but he he had to move away from Cologne when Cologne had a big crisis then he goes goes uh, to Dutch to Herrenveen and then he had the big strikers like before him in the squad and he changes again but um, in the end he was successful and he scored a lot of goals in in the Dutch league and then he he knew when it was the right step to move to Hoffenheim and I think he also knows that now he has a big opportunity to to take the next big step and I think that's going to be in summer Adam Matze you have to be all the fair and say that he almost did move to Köln in the summer <laughs> and that would have been a terrible move <laughs> yeah there was the interest of Köln because they they had to give away uh, Anthony Modest for yeah big money but as you see the the, the sportive um situation of Cologne right now um, yeah it was a, a big a big hole now in the in the first line because nobody can replace uh, um, Anthony Bodest but yeah Mark Uth um, was not accepted uh, Hoffenheim did not accept Mark Uth to go away and I think at the end for both sides it was um, yeah so for Hoffenheim and for Mark Uth it was a it was the the good deal to stay. Yeah, he definitely dodged a bullet, I think, <laughs> to to use that phrase, because I don't think Mark Wood would have made a huge difference in Köln's situation right now. And uh, you basically, instead of being in what is a pretty good story still in Hoffenheim, uh, you'd be taking part in a, a not so great story in Köln. And I don't know if, you know, sometimes it's funny how careers work out, because right now Mark Wood is, He's on everyone's lips. I mean, except with the exception for Bayern, and that's probably because Bayern got their man in uh, Sandro Wagner. Borussia Dortmund are interested, Gladbach are interested, Schalke are interested. You know, these are all sides that could potentially play in the Champions League next season. So, you know, and with the new Champions League uh, modus, which means that all four teams from Germany, top four teams from Germany, go straight into the group stage without a qualification spot. I mean, Mark Wood is going to play Champions League next year. And that is, you know, that's definitely a good career step, and he probably dodged a bullet in the summer. Well, guys, I feel we need to just talk ever so slightly about the league table as we are going into the winter break. Uh, Chris, um, we, at the moment, we, as we said, we see Bayern Munich sitting 11 points clear at the top of the league. 
Um, sure, we wish that that was a little tighter. But if we look at the rest of the table, I mean, from second down to eighth, we've got just four points separating them. And then 12th down to 17th, four points once again separates the side. It, it's still been a very interesting and competitive and exciting first half of the season, even though Bayern are, well, quite clear at the top, isn't it? Yeah, it has. So if you're going to talk about the gap between first and second and the chasing pack, yeah, that's a little disappointing. But um, you know, the fighting out between second, I mean, you could even say all the way down to 11th, really. Um, Hanover are currently 11th on 23 points. So it, it takes some for them to get up to fourth. But, you know, technically that's only five points behind the um, Champions League slots. And if you look at the rest of them, so Schalke um, is currently second, 30, and then there's a, a clutch of teams on 28 and then a couple on 26. So it's exceptionally tight. Um, it's going to be a really interesting second half of the season. And there was some teams wins by some big margins early on in the campaign that maybe won't get that luxury uh, as as we re- start again in January, so it's I think it'll be very tight. If you're going to ask me for some sort of crazy prediction, Bryce, I have I genuinely have no idea. You could see someone like um, Eintracht um, jump up into fourth. Um, you could certainly see Hoffenheim getting up there. Um, Schalke have done unbelievably well. Manu tipped Leverkusen to do well early on in the season. Leipzig have been a little disappointing, um, but you know you say, "Oh, they're from fifth, but they're twenty-eight. They're twenty-eight points, so they're only two points behind second. It's exceptionally close. Um, and likewise, you know, it's uh, it's as it always is every season. It's squeaky bum from twelfth down. Yes, and as you said, Chris, it has been a very interesting and exciting first half of the season. Apart from that little blip at the top with Bayern being ahead more than we'd actually like but Manu can be very pleased with his predictions with Leverkusen they have had a very strong first half campaign and well you know two points off you know that they could crawl into seconds um, in the second half but let's wait and see it's going to be as interesting as ever Matt, I'd just like to say thank you very much for coming on here. It's been an absolute pleasure. You've given us loads of information. Uh, is there anything that you would like um, to draw people's attentions to? Have you have you got anything coming up? Or where can people find you maybe on social media? It was a pleasure for me as well, guys. It was very cool to chat, chat with you with all the topics. Yeah, I will... Um, I will start start working in February again for my newspaper, and you can find me on on Instagram, Born to Be Matze, and you can find me on on, on Facebook with my name. Yeah, and I'm curious um, about the all the topics and sports going on, and yeah, it was a pleasure for me. Well, we'll certainly have to try and get you back on in the second half of the season Matt, thank you very much um, Chris, what have you got going on this week, uh, you and Manu always have plenty going on and obviously where can people find you online uh, Bryce, I made an executive decision this week, I'm taking the week off um, so I'm going to be doing what? nothing um, apart from uh, match day images and um, on the whistle images for football grad, not going to leave Manu in a lurch, don't worry um, but if someone wants to follow me on Twitter, please feel free to do so, um, Chris 78 Williams um, but by that I will be back after Christmas price Lovely, oh can I just say as well by the way that um, we should give Manu um, we should all give ourselves a pat on the back but especially Manu because we have covered um, 60 sorry 14 out of the 18 teams in the first half of the season we've been live to cover 14 out of the 18 Bundesliga teams yeah that's impressive <laughs> yeah that's very yeah. impressive that's pretty good going, guys. Well done. Big round of applause to the both of you. But um, Manu, will you be taking it easy this week, following uh, Chris's footsteps, or you got so a busier one? I have one final game on Wednesday, the um, the Bayern Dortmund game, of course, at the Allianz Arena. I'm back uh, away from away from the cushiony warm Sport 1 VIP launch back to the rather cold press tribune. Um, but it's going to be a really good game, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I think it's going to be exciting covering it for um, for Football Grad. So yeah, that's my my really my last duty 
before for Christmas and then um, taking a couple of days off too. But you know, we'll we'll still have stories on 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 the Football Grad Network. Um, there's a couple of transfers being finalized and that sort of thing. So we'll keep you up to date with that kind of stuff. But uh, match reporting will pick up, I guess, in in January. Well, that's it, guys. Um, it's it's never going to be completely silence at the Football Grad Network. There's still going to be plenty of articles coming your way. So make sure to follow on Twitter at Football Grad Live uh, for all those updates and new articles. Guys, if you like the podcast, please head over to iTunes uh, and leave us uh, a few comments or maybe a, a positive uh, review or ranking. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter as Bryce Dunn 11 and, and apart from that, thank you as always for tuning in and I'll be the same. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht, komm dir entgegen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.